Welcome to the Cultivation of the Wild Woman podcast. My name is Ben. And I'm Rachel. And today is part two of chapter 14, Initiation in the Underground Forest. And last week, or was it two weeks ago? Two weeks ago, at the full moon. Now it's the new moon. We read the uh, the story of the Handless Maiden, mm-hmm. and we talked a little bit about the story and... Now we're going to pick up on the analysis uh, for the rest of the chapter, which is, the long, I think, the longest chapter in the book, right? Mm-hmm. So we're going to pick up on what stage? There's a few stages. You want to just go over all the stages real quick? Yeah. So... And these are kind of the psychological stages of this that the story what kind of takes you through mm-hmm. or and Estes yeah. uh goes through this upwards of seven weeks to seven months at a time because um, it's very deep, rich stages um, she goes through this story specifically yes for over. Over, over multiple seven weeks. Weeks, typically. Hmm. Um, so that's why we kind of split this up, because it was a big lot to to look at, and we're not even looking at all of it. Right. So, last episode we covered the first three stages. So the first stage, the bargain without knowing, where you lose, and you're betrayed, and you're hmm. becoming conscious of that. The second stage... Dismemberment, um, losing the hands, hence the handless maiden. And the third stage, the wandering, where the journey kind of begins to pick up. And now we're Picking up at the fourth stage, finding love in the underworld. Um, And this stage is really interesting because she goes over the different archetypes. And for those who don't know what an archetype is, uh, archetypes were kind of, I think the term mainly was used by Jung, Carl Jung, on his theory of sort of these, I guess you could call them personalities that exist inside our minds. Mm -hmm. And everyone, he called it the collective unconscious, which is the parts of the brain that everyone share. There are patterns in the brain Mm -hmm. that are universal. And archetypes are sort of a manifestation of these patterns. And... In all cultures, you'll find these archetypes in their stories and mythologies and uh, religions. So, they're usually a, a kind of an image. Like, you, you'll you usually get sort of maybe an old woman or a young child or, you know, some sort of image. And then also a behavioral pattern. So, you'll get... Um, something they do, some activity they do, like maybe a warrior uh, goes to war. <laughs> so mm-hmm. so you get uh, like the image or the, usually it's most relevant to the age of the person, mm-hmm. the image. Mm-hmm. And then the behavioral pattern is kind of like an occupation or uh, some sort of activity that that person engages in. So it's very useful when analyzing stories like this. Mm-hmm. To re- to it's kind of comparative mythology. So we're comparing these stories to our own collective unconscious, and what are the archetypes within us that kind of get ignited or get t- mm-hmm. turned on by the story. Because they're a, an archetype to me is like a pattern that shows up, like a certain yeah emotion tied usually with an action or like that symbol yeah like uh, yeah 
it's it's almost I think a good way to describe it or a good metaphor is uh, it's it's a tone, mm-hmm. and when you certain tones when played will resonate across uh, into something else like um, a good example of is when you find the the tone that will like shatter a glass <laughs> or something and it's a frequency that that when played will affect other objects or things that can pick up on that frequency and vibrate along with it so it's kind of like when you read the story a character does something or says something or looks a certain way or has a certain characteristic and that resonates within you in a deep level that is unconscious and turns on a part of your psyche that was maybe dormant or not very active and it can change your life. That's kind of what happens when you hear an amazing story that's, you know, like people say, I heard this story, it changed my life. That's kind of what happens is some part of you turned on in a way that can't really be undone. So that's why we talk about how you, when you go out, you, like, people see you and you're pregnant. So they see, they, the clicks in their, <laughs> in their psyche, mm-hmm. the image of a pregnant woman Everyone probably has has that in in their probably. unconscious. You have to because everyone comes with a mother. Everybody, right. so we all do. Yeah, that's probably the deepest one. Yeah. So it, it, people aren't just seeing you; mm-hmm. they're seeing a pregnant woman, mm-hmm. and they're projecting a certain part of their own soul or their own psyche or their own patterns onto you. And they're, so they're actually seeing, they're not just seeing you, they're seeing this kind of, that's what I think what they're talking about, auras and things. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's not, it's not what's physically there. It's, what, it's what's created by seeing your pregnant shape or image. They also project extra sensory information onto your image emotional information you could say and so they have a different experience than if they had just seen you not being pregnant you know they're going to have a a deep deep resonation inside their psyche so (laughs) same thing when you look at a baby like Mm -hmm. you're seeing a baby right but you're also seeing uh your projection of innocence onto that baby you're seeing a projection of purity onto the baby. Mm-hmm. And so you, you, um, there's like. I believe you get healed by seeing certain totems and, and symbols that are coming up for you so that you, you can, like, explore that part of your brain. Yeah. So I think a lot of disease can come when we don't see a holistic view of archetypes. Right. I um, think that's true too, yeah. Cuz like if you don't see enough pregnant women in your culture or old people or old people or young or people or young people or babies or you know, if everyone's just kind of uh I don't know, it's it, it, you start to think like is is my culture going to survive? <laughs> <laughs> Am I going to survive? Mm-hmm. I don't see any old people that I want to be like. Mm-hmm. So does that mean I'm going to be that come the old people that I don't like? Mm. You know? Because mm-hmm. I remember seeing when my grandfather died, uh, I remember like, this is what it's, this is what I'm going to be like. Mm. And I was scared. Mm-hmm. I was like, dang, I do not want to, I don't want to die from obesity and heart disease and diabetes. Mm -hmm. But this is what everyone's saying is, this is just what happens when you get older. They're like, oh yeah, well, when you're, as soon as you get older, you just can't keep the weight off, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just hard, you're just going to get fat. And I'm like, what? 
I never really bought that explanation. But but if your whole culture, if that's what everyone, everyone, everything is mm-hmm. happening to everyone, then before the internet, people couldn't really tell that that's not normal. Mm-hmm. Like people mm-hmm. didn't have as many examples outside their own bubble, their own environment. They're all mm-hmm. like all my family members are fat, so then that means I'm just going to be fat, and then they don't even question if it's uh, the way that life has to be. So I think stories give us a great, uh, or stories give us a much broader context mm-hmm. to see, oh, this and is how... And it gives you a sense of roles. Yeah. Um, if you only see in your external world the role of a specific niche, like you only see young people around you because you're in high school and you never see your grandpa and you never see pregnant people because they hide those people and they hide babies and things, then it, it starts to distort because that's not a holistic story because you're missing a bunch of roles. Right. And so you can't even, like, plan your own future because you haven't seen what aging looks like. You haven't seen what birthing looks like and all these different the stages. Of, the stages yeah. of life, you get You yeah. get stagnated in a stage because this whole book is about individuation and this chapter specifically is about being twice born and selfhood and that like conception of who you are as an adult like who you choose to be who you like right like choosing to go to the next stage like consciously like no longer unconscious you're not a child anymore you're an adult and your hands have been cut off like in the tale of the handless maiden you know you're awake you've cried and things have came up and you're seeing patterns and so when you don't have context it can become very difficult to individuate because you don't even have a clue for what the next phase is supposed to be so you don't really know where you are you don't have orientation right and then you don't know where to go because your culture says oh you can go anywhere you want, or they tell you where to go, that you should go to college, or whatever it, Usually they propaganda just tell you where it to go, is. Yeah. They don't let you choose. It, like, it, the whole first 25, empowered. the whole first 25 years of your life in American culture is, you're being told where to go and what to do the entire time. And that time. you can't trust your own intuition. Right. No, it has to be science, and it has to be our, the science we've approved. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what they always say and it's like check with your mom first or yeah like it's always an appeal to an authority figure or an yeah. expert yes. you love that word experts and so then you Which end is very up left brain it's not very well right. it's it you can't learn anything outside of their system and if their system doesn't include any spirituality because they don't believe that you have a soul then you're not taught or shown or modeled a spirituality that you relate to that then you can bring into your own life in your own way. Mm-hmm. And so then you think you, do, you don't believe you have a soul and then you don't take care of your soul's journey. So mm-hmm. it's like this weird What's that corruption. word for when you're just a human who consumes? It starts with an H. Hedonistic? Yeah. Yeah. That That is what kind of sets in, where you're like, well, I guess I'm just an ego baby. Right. Give me what I want. Yeah. Like, you don't individuate past, like, the ego, and you don't connect to the id, let alone the super ego. Like, yeah, you just Yeah, I don't want to of... try and explain all those three. Okay. <laughs> if you want to know more about those, you can look them up. Yeah. There's the internet. So this part is about the, she actually calls out the archetypes by name? Yes. Okay. So this is on 418. Um, This is one of my favorite parts of the book. So she starts with the maiden. And the maiden represents the heartfelt and formerly sleepy psyche. But a warrior lies beneath her soft exterior. She is following the instructions and directions of the old wild mother, wild woman. 
So the maiden, the warrior. So, uh, remind if I look. Interesting. So it says like she is the psyche. She's the the being that is gonna go through a transformation, seems like. Where or the most uh the largest transformation of experience and roles mm-hmm. and trauma is gonna be on on this archetype in the story, mm-hmm. which is why it's this, it's her story, mm-hmm. and all the other archetypes interact with her, mm-hmm. and so she moves in a way. She's moving through the landscape, but she's also moving through the story, and she's also moving through the interactions with each other archetype, and kind of mm-hmm. makes the rounds, and learn something from each interaction. And that's also, I think, the character or the archetype that you're supposed to identify with, mm-hmm. at least. Uh, I mean, it kind of depends. I think there is a gender thing where uh, a little boy probably won't identify with a maiden, but that's why you usually have different storylines for different well, genders. That's- why you also need a holistic characters in your plot, meaning you need, if not all of them, like I think of Lord of the Rings and how they have a great diversity of characters, that anybody who watches that movie can resonate with a character depending on where they're at in their stages and phases of life right. and their individuation. So to me, a good story has multiple archetypes because that those kinds of stories tend to to resonate with more people rather than less. Right. Because the more myopic you get on a character, which can be ven- beneficial, but you're you're getting into a niche right. of a person who's going through a phase. Where a folk tale usually would have a diverse mixture of archetypes. Right. To help stimulate each and person this, in the audience so yeah. that you're not just and it's not diversity in the sense of like superficial modern like kind of the modern idea of diversity which is uh like superficial things about a human that aren't really relevant to the the collective unconscious it's diversity of the collective unconscious which is very deep um universal archetypes that like I said before like the diversity is not going to be dependent on your race or something like that where these are universal they go beyond race mm-hmm. like they, you find these archetypes in everybody's stories the maiden is in in african stories in european stories in egyptian mm-hmm. well egypt's in africa but uh, <laughs> asian like all the the whole world every story we've ever found they all have these deep um, archetypes. So the diversity we're looking for is not a diversity of skin color. It's a diversity of depth of psychological stages or, um, yeah, I guess that's a way of putting it. Like, cause you could measure a story like Lord of the Rings is just all white people, but there's the hobbits and they kind of are the little young, mm-hmm. Uh, naive, uh, kind of childlike, and then there's all the way to Gandalf, who's the old wise guy, and then the wizard, the wise wizard, and then there's Arwen, who's the beautiful elf princess, and then there's Aragorn the king. Like, there's these certain energies, mm-hmm. and every culture and every race and every time mm-hmm. and place has young, naive people and (laughs) old, wise people and adventurous, you know, wanderers and beautiful princesses and whatever. And they all have a value. They all have a role in the story and in the the movement of it and the growth of it. Right. And young... So in a culture, when you discount the value of old people, 
or the value of babies or teenagers or who, whomever you're discounting, it does no good to anybody. Right. Because then you have a gaping hole for an entire role yeah. and an entire archetype that has many lessons in it. So, and Jung, Jung also used these ideas in a way that was kind of um, therapeutic. So, you we since we all have a place in our psyche that will recognize these archetypes, mm-hmm. it's seeing them or hearing about their stories that helps. I think it's kind of like. Uh, unlocking parts of the psyche that need to be unlocked even if you don't identify with the maiden you yeah. can still learn from her story you can still experience or you can empathize or whatever mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um it you gives can, you context well because you can start you can yeah and you can put yourself in her shoes like i can think of myself like what would i feel if i went through her th- life story basically and that's what this story is designed to mm, do. It's mm-hmm. designed to help someone like me, who is probably the furthest thing away from a maiden, I can still <laughs> relate to her. Yes. I can still unlock that part of my psyche that I need to understand the maiden energy more. And then when I act, interact with others in the world, if I see unconsciously a maiden then I will, I won't otherize her. I won't think of her as totally different and beyond me. I'll relate to... Or simplified. Yeah. Just in a box. Or just turn her into, yeah. I'll be able to see, oh, that image is not just a, uh, it's not just like um, kind of a trope or something. It's like you've, when everybody hears all these stories, especially together, then we all share the perspectives. So then you have a much broader scope of who you're able to understand. Hmm. So you don't hmm. shut people down or like I'll, I'll be able to listen and understand a woman who does identify as the maiden. Right. If you identify yourself with the maiden, then I may not identify with the maiden, but I'll be able to understand you better because I've read a story. Because mm-hmm. I've read a story about a maiden. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So it's kind of personally it's healing and therapeutic for yourself, for your own brain. But then socially it's very healing because it helps unite people and it helps create stronger bonds and understanding Mm-hmm. amongst people who don't usually think the same way. And that's something I think we're losing right now, like, massively. These people really don't want to... They don't want to learn or empathize with the archetypes that are so far from them. Like, they don't want to empathize with the warrior. They don't want to try to understand the warrior. Mm-hmm. Or they don't want to understand the hippie. Or they don't want to understand young people. They just say young people are lazy or stupid or whatever. Or young people don't want to understand old people. They're like, okay, boomer. And mm-hmm. they so the these stories I think were seen as an antidote to people becoming too self involved with their own representation. <laughs> And their role, and in uniting the roles as a holistic image that we all need each other and that we all function better together yeah. than fragmented and separate. Yeah. Um, so the next archetype is the spirit in white. Um, it's the guide, the innate and gentle knowing. Um, rather like a trailblazer for the woman's journey thought to be a piece of an old and precious shattered god that still invested itself in each human the spirit in white is a helper of the mother slash crone 
who in archetypal psychology is also the life-death-life goddess. Hmm. So the spirit in white is the guide. Reminds me of the fairy godmother. Hmm. In Cinderella. I always think of uh, the Hao Mizaki movie. Spirited Away? Yeah, when there's that weird spirit face thing that keeps showing up to her and scaring her and she like doesn't know <laughs> like it's friendly yeah but like i also don't know what you are <laughs> <laughs> next is the gardener cultivator of the soul regenerative keeper of seed soil and root Comes to villages each spring, fertilizes the crops as well as the women. The gardener's function is regeneration. Hmm. There is a natural entropy or wearing down and using up of psychic parts. He keeps track of the need for change and replenishing. Hmm. Cultivator of the soul, the gardener. I like that one. Yeah. I planted my garden uh, yeah. this last weekend. So I was thinking of... It's a very therapeutic thing to plant your own garden. I loved watching you uh, <laughs> cover up the seeds. Because <laughs> you had them all in rows. Mm. And then you put the final earth on top of them and it felt like a little ceremony. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. And then the next archetype is the king. Represents a trove of knowledge in the underworld. He carries the ability to take inner knowing out into the world and to put it into practice without mincing, muttering, or apologizing. Which I thought was huge. Not apologizing. Because the maiden? What do we do? I'm sorry. You bump into somebody or they bump into you and we're like, I'm sorry. Our culture has trained us to be so apologetic. So the king is very balancing, I think, to those archetypes. Because I I always think of the president. Because the president is like our version of the king. Even though we don't have a king in America, it's kind of... I don't even want to say he's a king. He's, he's It's a similar archetypal energy. Of like, he's not going to apologize for what he does. And he's going to be strong in his decisions and you need somebody like that in your culture to not back down but to like who's willing to fight and who's not going to second guess you need like that archetype with the most testosterone (laughs) (laughs) you said it not me just saying that's what I've seen When he wanders looking for his lost queen, he will undergo a kind of death that will transform him from a civilized king to a wild one. Which is also interesting. Again, that's... Makes me think of how the controversy of people for a long time thought that testosterone was like the anger hormone, and it turns out to be estrogen... And that testosterone is like, comes with like level-headed, like, like that not apologizing attitude. So that last part makes me think of how to transform yeah. from a civilized king, very um, orderly, to a more wild one, which seems like a paradox. Yeah, I think. Uh, A good word to to add to that is stoic, which is Mm -hmm. not that you're, it's more like the the king, because of his status, because he has such high serotonin and testosterone, hopefully, then he doesn't feel, uh, he doesn't have the um, kind of defensiveness, Mm -hmm. and so he actually will be more emotionally stable. Like if you, Mm -hmm. if you, um, 
if, if there's a lot of chaos going on in the society, he's the one who sits calmly and listens to everybody and can understand everyone because he doesn't get emotionally involved. So he's a, mm-hmm. he, can, mm-hmm. he can maintain his rational faculty to then be a good judge mm-hmm. and to help. The, the main thing of the king is funny. is like people think of kings as kind of like these uh, dictators. But that's really a 20th century thing where leadership got associated with giving orders. In the past, most kings were servants solving problems for their community. And they spent a lot of their time listening to everyone and trying to understand everyone and keeping the peace emotionally and spiritually and uh, culturally so that people could come before the king and... Mm -hmm respect his decisions because only if he was rational like if he got emotionally disrupted because it was his let's say it was his cousin who stole something and he's mm-hmm. like got emotionally attached to his cousin and said you know I don't care and I'm not, I'm not going to judge my cousin or whatever then he people wouldn't respect his authority anymore and he wouldn't really be a king and usually they get overthrown if they end up doing that so the testosterone, serotonin produces kind of this stoic stability of, of re- well-reasoned judgment where like he also has to be able to empathize with everyone, the, the youngest, the oldest, the men, the women. He hears everybody's cases. Mm-hmm. And But if someone crosses the line, he still has that energy to be able to call somebody out right at the same time so it it's a very fine balance and an important role because without one of these archetypes if you know if you're missing any of these then you can see how there'd be a huge gap or just kind of lopsidedness to the energy of a culture or a tribe right and that's probably probably the archetype we've lost the most because all our men went crazy like really fucking crazy like schizophrenic and abusive and like the diet just made everyone crazy and turned like i don't know you put estrogen in the water kind of that and also just being like (laughs) obesity if you have like 40 percent of your population is obese and 60% is overweight, then there's, there isn't really a difference between the body and mind. They're just actually one thing. And that's the biggest, I think, one of the biggest problems I have right now is trying to get people to understand that you, you don't get to have an unhealthy body and have a healthy mind. They're not, they're not two different things. It's one organism. Mm-hmm. It's one, you are one being. Your body and your mind are connected so intimately that you would not, you, you can't describe them as being separate enough to where you can be like, oh, I have an unhealthy body, but my mind is fine. It's actually, it's, it doesn't make sense unless you're schizophrenic, unless you're so left brain because you, ha- you don't have enough saturated fat for your right brain to work that you can't make judgments and you lose your ri- oh. <laughs> that was my paper you lose I it. The wall. <laughs> yeah so the king i think is incredibly incredibly important energy that is very hard it's very hard to actually embody so we have had so few kings in our culture that we don't even trust men anymore like uh, uh, as a as a society it's like I don't trust most guys I see they're so unhealthy that I know like I can look at most men and I can see their souls are are not healthy like their their minds and bodies are not healthy and they're they're going to be lost somewhere it doesn't matter how old they are mm-hmm. they're mostly boys like they're mostly underdeveloped and they don't have the king energy uh, like they can't empathize with people who are different than them Mm -hmm. 
They're not individuated. Like they view, they, they're they becoming, like they're viewing anyone who's different. Like if you're a woman, then you're, you, I can't empathize with you. Or if you're, or if you're a different skin color or whatever, then it's becoming, we're starting to become very superficial in our judgments. And the king is the opposite of that. He's very deep. He's deep in his judgments. He's the, he doesn't judge things based off of the, the first appearance. He has a very deep perception because he has access to that part of his soul that can resonate at all levels. Mm. And if we don't have that, then we have a lot of big problems. But I think it's important, actually, that you said uh, not apologizing, which I think mm-hmm. is funny. Because for me, I'm trying to apologize more. But uh, that's because I'm coming from the opposite end. Mm -hmm. I think for you, you did too much apologizing. Mm -hmm. And so when you and I come together, I learn how to apologize more. And you learn how to apologize less. (laughs) Yes. It's a perfect balance. So. So. Sorry, I went on for a little bit there. That's okay. We'll, (laughs) We'll circle it back. That the king represents... Renewal of the ruling attitudes and laws in a woman's psyche. So that, I think of like that. Can you read that again? The king represents renewal of the ruling attitudes and laws in a woman's psyche. So that makes me think of the, like, the attitude I can have of like, that I'm doing the right thing for my body and for my baby and for my family. And have confidence in that. And having that kingly energy towards my life path. Like, that's an example that comes up of, like, that king energy. Where I'm not going to apologize for even making a mistake. Right. Dude, this is going to go on the whole. Every paper is going to fall off that wall. (laughs) No. Um... Almost like you know your priorities so well and you have faith in yourself that you're not second-guessing everything you do. Mm-hmm. Not mincing it. Like, there are certain times for the maiden energy of being a warrior and being more receptive, but the king is not receptive. It's the giver energy it's a yang Mm -hmm. like outward I imagine like a serotonin up ascending energy Mm -hmm. testosterone propelled it's not uh, soft it's very like I'm going to aim for the bullseye I'm not trying to act like I don't know what I'm doing I'm going to act like I I know what I'm doing because I'm going to try Ah, interesting. So it's like the willingness to try and... Because she says the laws in a woman's psyche. And a law to me is like your belief system. Right. Something you can stand on firmly. So, you know, saying that I believe in eating meat and being confident in that and not being moved or swayed by other people's opinions and but still holding space for their opinion and their journey and their understanding but not not having frail beliefs that just kind of get switched get, around to appeal to the uh, yeah. whoever's talking to you at the time you mm-hmm. you don't you don't change so much I know who I am like when I'm going on social media right I'm not getting moved around by other people who are doing the weird keto things or the raw food things or whatever you're doing is cool but like I know at the end of the day what I like to eat and what makes me feel good for where I'm at today I'm not even saying that I'm going to be doing this forever no but being it's a very I view it as like being swayed less by the opinions of your peer group. Mm-hmm. Because the king energy is useless if he's just a mouthpiece for the majority. 
-hmm. The majority already has power. That's mob rule. That's before kings existed. It was just whoever had the biggest group together could rape and murder and take whatever they wanted Mm -hmm. from whoever. Mm -hmm. So the ability to stand stillness or to stand still as an individual Mm -hmm. is the king. Mm -hmm. Okay. Next is the mage. Mage or magician represents the direct magic of a woman's power. The empathic ability to see far, to see from behind anyone's eyes. Human or animal, all these belong to the instinctual feminine. He can be male, female, animal, or mineral, just as the crone, his female counterpart, can also affect her guises with ease. In conscious life, the mage assists, mage or magician, assists a woman's ability to become whatever she wishes and to portray herself as she wishes at any given moment. Wow. So that one's magical. I like that one. Oh, so that's the fairy godmother. Being able to portray yourself as anything at any moment? Where she can, like, transform. Hmm. Because remember Cinderella, she, like, transforms the, uh, Mm -hmm. the pumpkin into the carriage and transforms her... She can, like... Yeah, because the guide... Then who would the guide be in Cinderella? Uh, who else? Yeah, the problem is we're using Cinderella instead of the... <laughs> instead of the story. <laughs> instead of the ma- handless yes. maiden story. But uh, we're good. You it's know. okay. It, it's expanded. It, it works. Um... So, which one in here was the magician? The mage. But I don't remember, like in this story. Oh. Mm. The questioners. I think I'd know the answer. The mage. I guess you're going to have to read this 70-page chapter to find out. Yeah. Because it's in there. It's a big chapter. It's just a magician. Okay. The magician's a fun one. The Queen Mother Crone is the vast authority to see into the tricks of the predator, the ability to soften curses. Um, her oldest names, Mother Dust, Mother Earth, Ma'am, Ma, for she is the muck that makes ideas happen. Vast authority to see into the tricks of the predator. Ah, uh, yeah. I, I like that one. Mm-hmm. That's the other one we're missing. So we're missing the the kings and the queens. Well, And when you get paranoid, you have a hard time pinning down who's the predator, <laughs> too. Yeah. Like with the diet, when, you get, when your food gets schizophrenic and thus your mind, your body gets schizophrenic, then I find that I grew up with a culture of mothers who were very, like, you can't take the bus if you're a little girl by yourself. Like, they were very, very aware of predators. Almost too aware. Right, because if you don't have any real queens, then... Or kings to protect you. Well, if you don't have any queens specifically, the women are not going to have a reliable compass 
for finding predators. So they're just going to assume, it's mm-hmm. better to assume all, everybody's a predator. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, it's again that culture of like all men are just dogs and you can't trust them. Yeah, never trust a man. That's what their motto. Yeah. When the, when the women don't have queens, it's never trust a man. And, and the queens. And the problem is they're they're right because uh, <laughs> there aren't any kings. So if there aren't any kings, you can't trust any men. Mm-hmm. So it's not wrong. No they're queen. not wrong. They're right. But it's just yeah. it's not ideal. Ideally, you'd have the, both archetypes present in the society. So that because the king also is the top dog who keeps all the men below him in check. Because the men, if there's no king, all of a sudden the predators are like, hey, we get to do whatever we want. Mm -hmm. There's no king. He's not going to cut off our heads if we start raping these maidens. Mm -hmm. So there's like, the predators start coming out more and more. And then the the women just do what they can basically to try and navigate that world but it creates a very hyper awareness of predators and Mm -hmm. like especially up here in the pacific northwest it's like uh it's not a good time for like i don't know it's just a very dangerous time with this lack of strength in our archetypes Mm mm-hmm because we're missing so many of these, like I've been, been missing them in stories and and in the news and in because the news is stories, right? right. Um, so that's why I see a lot of women talking, and mothers talking about don't watch the news, like it's trash, it'll pro like there's nothing. They don't share the holistic stories. They don't share all the archetypes, right? Because um, the next archetype is the devil. Uh, and they spend too much time on that one. We don't hear about the magician. We don't hear about the queen or the king. And the maidens just, you know. Well, we don't see them. It's not even, like, mm. you got to see them. And, and in you got to be able to project your own queen onto a woman that you see. Mm-hmm. So you have to be able to see someone who represents the queen, and then you project your queen onto her, and then it ignites within you that queen energy that you can embody when it's necessary mm-hmm. and even that but they that, don't show you those yeah so then you go on social media and you look for the queens there but even then it's hard to find because a lot of times the the women who are most promoted on social media are the ones who sell the most stuff and the queen is not about selling you anything so you're not. She's not going to be promoted in the algorithms because they just want to get products. They want to make money. They or they want like all the social media algorithms are tuned for advertising revenue. They're not tuned for psychological health. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they're not going to show you the women who truly represent a queen. You need. You have to go look for her. You have to go try and find her. It's harder. And if you're just surfing what the algorithm gives you, your chances of finding a real queen that you can relate to are going to be very low. In fact, they're going to show you the opposite of the queen of like <laughs> the fearful, uh, you need to buy this, you need to look this way, you need to mm-hmm. change, you know, whatever, because that's what will get you to buy more stuff. Like the queens actually calm you down and make you less likely to buy unnecessary things. <laughs> So the queen it's is just like, not what they want. <laughs> so. All right, to the devil. To the devil. Um, Give the devil his due. The natural predator of a woman's psyche attempts to kill off all soul. This always makes me think of the, like the killing off of the soul. We've been watching Lord of the Rings, and so I'm thinking of that 
Who was that evil white dude with the white gown and his tower? Saruman? Yeah, see, I can't remember his name. <laughs> and just how he didn't care that the women and children were, like, going to be killed when they went and destroyed the cities and things. It was just death. Yeah. was the objective, and... I don't know, it's a very heavy concept. Yeah, I think... But necessary role. Like, if you think about stories, like what would Lord of the Rings or even The Handless Maiden look like if you didn't have the devil who was switching the story and creating some little chaos, um, that there's always that energy of, like, it can't ever be destroyed fully and you don't want it to be. You just want to be able to, like name it yeah and see it as it is and well that's why keep a distance (laughs) (laughs) well yes it's very the devil is very very interesting to me because i haven't read the bible in a long time i haven't read the bible in a long time and i remember as a kid we did not read very much about the devil in my household the devil was not a popular figure of uh of story time. It's a heavy... And I think that's actually why the Christians failed so horribly. <laughs> because when the devil did come around, eventually, uh, we weren't prepared. We didn't, because we hadn't read about the devil enough to, to see him in mm-hmm. people. So, because it's, it's funny, uh, there's like this weird thing with Christianity. At least the way I grew up was that everyone took it very literally. And uh, then the, they all switched and became atheists. And were like, no, uh, the devil's not real. Jesus wasn't real. Those aren't real. And it's like, okay, well, what do you mean by real? Because these, these, <laughs> the devil is just a name for a behavioral pattern that exists in the human psyche. To the, the pattern of the psyche that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Mm-hmm. And that is very, very fucking real. Mm-hmm. Humans do steal, kill, and destroy. So if you say the devil isn't real, all you're doing is saying that when the devil does show up, either in your own mind or in the mind of someone near you, you won't, you'll be naive. You won't be mm-hmm. looking for the pattern. You won't be able to recognize that behavioral pattern that's going to lead to you getting s- stolen from, killed, or destroyed. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be unaware. You're going to be naive. You're going to be caught off guard and gullible to the devil's tricks because mm-hmm. you didn't you didn't study okay what is the devil psychologically and how to how do you be on the lookout for him so i think that's why it's he's such an important archetype to actually be in the story and um i'm i i think when we go into the next podcast reading the bible every sunday i'm going to be really interested to delve deep into that character right now because I think the devil is everywhere that's probably the number one archetype that we're dealing with because everyone said that the bible isn't real so they stopped reading it and then when you stop reading the foundational stories of your language Mm. then you're you don't recognize when you're the devil's right in front of you context you have no patterns, yeah, archetypes. Well, because if you forces. don't, if you don't understand what the devil sounds like, or what he looks like, or what the archetype looks like or sounds like, then even you embody it mm-hmm. unconsciously. Mm-hmm. It becomes a projection because the the psyche is trying to get your attention to to send some love and some energy there for healing. That's what I see. Is like that whatever you 
like try to avoid will come faster. Like the, right. Like, well, it's it's almost like you'll you'll turn. Okay, uh, so I've been studying art. Right. Mm-hmm. This is the best way I can explain this. Actually, when you're training yourself to be to be an artist, at least to be a realistic artist, like Leonardo da Vinci or you know the Renaissance, where they're looking for more realism you're training yourself to look for a specific pattern in nature and if you don't if you don't train your brain to look for something you won't find it Hmm. for example the uh, rule of thirds the most basic bitch uh, composition technique if you don't know the rule of thirds you can tell you can tell someone's photography they're complete amateur and aren't familiar with any of these because they don't show up in their photos. So you'll see uh, they'll take a picture and it'll be just off the rule of thirds or perfectly centered. Or per- well, yeah, but uh, the pattern will be you like <laughs> since I know these rules, I'm looking for them. And so when I see them in nature, my brain clicks. It's like that's a pattern. So when I'm looking through the the uh, when I'm looking through the viewfinder in my camera, my brain is scanning the frame for certain rules of composition. The rule of thirds is one. It's kind of overused, but it's just an easy example. There's also the golden ratio and the spiral and all mm-hmm. those. So. You're, you're, you have to train your mind to observe these patterns, meaning you have to see an example of one first. Mm. I can describe the rule of thirds to you, but unless I show you an image that ex- exemplifies the rule of thirds, you won't be, have a pattern to then look for in nature. Mm-hmm. And the devil is like a rule of thirds. He's like a pattern that you need to see an example of, which is why stories are so important, because a story gives you an example of a behavioral pattern mm-hmm. of a human being that you can label the devil. The devil does this, and you tell the story about what happens when the devil shows up and what he does and what he says, and then that is that information, that example that pattern, when you come across it again, you're going to click and you're going to notice, hey, this guy who's talking to me on social media and trying to get me to hang out with him, he's using the same language or the same techniques or the same, you're going to get a vibe off of him that's the devil vibe. And then you'll know to stay away from it. But... If you're naive and you don't, you haven't been exposed to the patterns of the devil and how he talks and how he behaves, then when this guy comes up to you, he's just a, an interesting stranger. <laughs> and you're just like, wow. And you're even taken in because they say the devil has a silver tongue. Mm-hmm. So uh, the point is that like we've been ignoring this archetype so much that it's now we're saturated with it. Because you can't, mm. if you can't see it, you can't call it out. And all the you archetypes. You can't avoid it. And you can't avoid it in yourself. You'll manifest mm-hmm. the devil. Like, you'll embody the devil if you don't know that that's... If you, if you don't know the pattern, then you'll actually embody it, too. That's the worst mm-hmm. part of it. Mm-hmm. The worst part of it isn't that, oh, there's a, people outside there that are going to be the devil and they're going to hurt you. The worst part is... If you don't know who the devil is, you're going to be the devil to other people. You're mm-hmm. going to hurt those around you with his energy because you, you don't recognize it as the devil energy. And so then you act, on, act it out unconsciously. Mm-hmm. So the devil kind of brings home to me then, again, how all these archetypes have a role. Right. And if you're missing one, even the devil... Right. It's lopsided. It doesn't work. The story won't work. It literally won't make sense. And there won't be enough conflict. And there won't be room for a high or a low in the whole arc. 
be able to go through this. So, if you're... Which is why I think this is the most important part of this book. Yes. She's getting at the points. But, like, in each generation, there's probably a different archetypal constellation that mm -hmm. is popular. Mm-hmm. And so... In some generations, they were they focused way too much on the devil, or some some too much on the too king, much on the king, and yeah. you, you get you get thrown off. So really, it's a holistic view of get to know each archetype mm -hmm. equally. Like and so, studying the hero's journey can be helpful if you're interested in learning more about if if this archetype kind of thing resonates with you then I would recommend definitely exploring the hero's journey because that is where you'll find more about archetypes and or just archetypes in general but Estes kind of summarizes how these kind of all weave together here um, in this episode the three masculine attributes of a woman's psyche the gardener king and magician are the watchers questioners and the helpers in the underworld journey so how they all help move the story along one's a watcher one's a questioner and one's a helper and I think that's an interesting Because that's why I love this story so much is that it's a, such a big story. There's so many characters and there's so many roles and there's so many moving parts. So that's again why we're um, going over this pretty in depth and why Estes goes over this in seven weeks up to seven months. Yeah, and it seems like those are three, like, those are the masculine energies mm -hmm. and... Those are, it's interesting because those are the ones that are kind of the furthest from the feminine psyche. So they're not, they're, they're portrayed, their image is, is male. Mm -hmm. Which means that basically it's seen as um, something that you feel further from, that you can't relate to as much as a woman. Mm -hmm. But that you are, when you get exposed to it in this way, then you actually internalize those archetypes and you become more watchful. You can now ask questions and you can now be a helper mm -hmm. of yourself. Because I think a lot of times women don't help themselves as much. They're a little bit more oriented towards helping others. Mm -hmm. So it's like self-care is seen as selfish or something. Uh, at least growing up in my family it's kind of seen that way it's like if you're taking time just for yourself then uh, you're not a good mother or something mm -hmm. like you're just supposed to be a slave to your kids or so, mm -hmm. or whatever but um, so I think that these and you don't have that questioning energy right sounds like <laughs> and the watching and questioning is also another those two energies those two abilities aren't um maybe they don't maybe they're not as uh inborn in yeah they don't come as natural you're not triggered as a woman for the king energy because you don't look in the mirror and think i'm a king you think you're a queen right so it's like the animus kind of energy to me is this right. is like the trinity of the animus which is mm. Yeah. So, since this chapter is so long and the best one, we're going to make a part three. <laughs> a trinity. Yes. <laughs> Trilogy. So, I'll leave you with a quote <laughs> on page 424 where... Um, Estes proposes some questions. How does one live in the topside world and the underworld at the same time and on a day-to-day -day basis?
What does one have to do to come down into the underworld on one's own? What circumstances in life help women with this descent? Do we have a choice about going or staying? What spontaneous help have you received from the instinctive nature during such a time?